I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms, but in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well. Welcome to The Film Board, the movie conversation podcast reviewing the latest releases that you've seen and want to talk about. My name is Ocean, and I'm the host of The Film Board podcast. On this episode, we are talking about Scream 2022. There's certain rules to surviving. Believe me, I know. They always come back. The killer is a part of something in the past. This one just feels different. You're all in danger. Bob? Well, Sydney. I've seen this movie before. Not this movie. Today, I am chatting with the one and only Tommy Metz to get his thoughts on this movie so we can share them with all of you. Welcome, Tommy. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here with the silky smooth tones of Ocean. I love it. (laughs) Have we done a film board together yet? 
We have not. This is a, this is our first time. This is the first this, one, yes. and everyone else wanted to be on it. We said no. It's it, a exactly. Tommy Ocean collab. Correct. I, I wanted yep. you all to myself. Perfect. I didn't, I didn't want to share you with and any other hosts. I, you, sir. Okay, yes. good. Good. So uh, why don't we just uh, start uh, setting the bar of the movie? So without diving too much into the movie, uh, talk about what you already knew about uh, Scream and the Scream franchises, and what are the expectations you had of this movie going in? Would you like me to start? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that, even you, though there's just yeah. two of us. <laughs> yes, I was, I was asking you the question. So oh, that's tell wonderful. Us what you knew about the movie. <laughs> yeah. I'll be playing yeah, the part diving, of me. So, yeah, so without, yeah, kind of like a non spoiler diet, now without diving too much into the movie itself, right? Sure. Right. So tell, you know, tell us what you thought about it and what your expectations you had about the movie going in. I'm a really big fan of the Scream franchise. Uh, there are, you know, it, the quality can seem to drop off a little bit, but there's always been something. There's always been a really good reason to show up. And especially the first one I thought was so, I call it sort of dumbly groundbreaking in that, like, the idea was so obvious. Have the characters in the story, in the horror movie, be aware of horror movies and tropes that I feel like every writer in Hollywood smacked their head, their forehead at the exact same set, at time and said, why didn't I think of that? And I really liked, you know, back when Kevin Williamson was doing it. Um Kevin Williamson really sort of brought a certain type of slasher horror back, but with a wink and with a smile and a sense of humor that I really enjoyed. Uh, so that being said, um, I also, my expectations were a little higher for this one because I'm a big fan of the directing team uh, behind it. Uh, they go together as they're known as Radio Silence, but they directed Ready or Not, which was one of my favorite horror movies of the last couple years. Oh, yeah, that is a really good one. Um, and so I thought they would maybe have a real kind of fun, uh, impish kind of uh, impact on this. And so my expectations uh, were pretty high. So uh, I, too, have, uh, I like the screen. Uh, the original trilogy, right? So, I, so I, I really enjoyed Scream One, uh, the first one. It was uh, it was very refreshing, a breath of fresh air. I'm not a giant horror movie fan, but I really did enjoy that. Mm. Uh, I also found the last oh the last twenty minutes of Scream is some of the funniest cinema that I'd ever seen in my life to that point. <laughs> um, it, it was it was it was amazingly great. And then also I liked the. Being someone that watches watches and watched at the time a lot of movies, the thing that was Scream One that I really enjoyed was the two killers. Was because because at that point all you know all the movies had one right. killer, right? So you're sitting there the whole time trying to figure out who it is, and you think you maybe know who it is, but then the fact that there's two pretty much guarantees that. You know, I, I don't think any person can honestly say that upon first viewing of Scream, especially if they saw it when it was new, that they figured it out, right? Because, you know... Because it was it set up impossible situations. It's, Everyone exactly. had an alibi at some point. Exactly, yes. Right. So, yeah, so that there was the greatness of that. And then uh, two and three, uh, you know, while they weren't as good as the first one, I don't think that anything can be because the first one was such a, wow, I'd never thought of that breath of fresh air great movie. The second one and third one are just leaning into what they've already established. So I really enjoyed them. Um, I actually have to then admit with Scream 4, I didn't even know it existed until about a week ago. Um, and so I completely missed it. And so I saw it actually huh. a few days ago before seeing this. And so, but my expectations going into it are, I've always liked the Scream movies. I like the Scream franchise. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for something to give me some, you know, like I'm not looking for deep philosophical thought. I'm looking for great slasher flicks with all the tropes in the movie and the people aware of the tropes and still doing the tropes. Not, not the least of which is one of my favorites is 
I've I've opened many a refrigerator in my time. I very rarely needed to stick my head pretty much all the way in of blocking the door to, to, to see what's Just in the refrigerator. To, I I typically yeah. stand back and look at the whole thing. Right. But uh, but in you know in, in these movies, they when they stick their head in there, I'll, I'll, you know, it's, it's always just this great you know tension and stuff. So yeah, so that's what I was looking for. I, I personally have, you know, bought so I, my refrigerator at a store called Blind Spots. And that's all nice. it does is you open it and no matter where you are in the refrigerator, some exit or something is covered up completely. Exactly. That's great. Yes, yeah, so something it needs to be big enough for a person to stand behind. Right. Of so, so, yeah. yeah, it's a real double wide. Yeah, yeah. There's just condiments in it, yeah. but it's huge. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and I need to stick my face really right up to it just to see yep. what's in there. Yeah. So yeah, so that's what I had expectation expectation wise going in. And I'm really um so that yeah, so that's why I had expectation wise going in. Um, so let's just talk. I'm just going to give a brief overview at a high level of the story. So then it, this one is set 25 years after the original. Um, there is a new ghost face killer in Woodsboro again. Uh, Sydney is sticking with her desire to live anywhere else. Um, Gail is a morning show host in New York, and Dewey is living in a double wide somewhere in town. Uh, and it is, and this movie set up where it's time to meet some new victims. Uh, I mean, kids. <laughs> and will Sydney ignore all common sense and come back to stop the new ghost face? Oof. Dun, dun, dun. Good yeah. overview. So, yeah, so that's, that's basically what, it, what it's about. Do you find yourself talking to friends about movies at a level of detail they can't handle? Where you are breaking down the genius of the latest film you've seen, the nuance of the acting, the direction, the story, and with only receiving an okay in response. Then I have the place for you. Join us on our Discord page at thenextreel.com forward slash Discord, where you will find other movie lovers that will engage you in interesting, exciting, and sometimes infuriating conversations about movies. Additionally, if you like what we're doing here, why not become a supporting member? Visit thenextreel.com forward slash membership to learn about the benefits of the members-only Discord channels, show live streams, and more. Let's talk about the opening kill. Right. Uh, so this uh, this movie, it stays true to the brand um, in that the Scream franchises start with the opening kill. They've, uh, they, you know, when they started the first one, where they, when they kill Drew Barrymore right away, that, you know, that kind of set the tone for the rest of them. And they keep that, they kept that tone throughout. And so in this one, we, we meet, they go back to, I think, really more the original theme. Um, you know, in that you have the single, uh, single girl, uh, in, in, a, in her house by herself, uh, answer, answering the phone. And then, uh, you know, then of course the, you know, the game and everything starts and starts moving forward from there. Um, in this case, the single girl in a house by alone, uh, on her own is, uh, Tara, who is, uh, played by, uh, Jenna Ortega. And so she is just hanging out and inviting her friend over for, you know, dinner via text because they introduced cell phones in this one now, which I thought was great. And for reasons that do not need to be explained, she, they still have a landline. So, <laughs> a, I guess I really have two parts questions for you. Well, three, but I'll save the third one for later. One is, what did you think of the opening kill sequence? And um, yeah, let's just start there. What did you think of the opening kill sequence? I think there was a big difference in this opening kill uh, compared to one, two, and three. Um, and the difference, wait, two. 
Definitely yes. two. Two was in the movie theater. Two that was, was in the movie theater. Different. The big thing about especially one and two, oh, and three because it was a character, um, they were copying sort of a psycho kind of idea. That the fact that Drew Barrymore was uh, featured very prominently in the post. Oh, and we're going to spoil all the scream kills, everybody. Right? Uh, yeah. Can we just say that? Absolutely. If you haven't seen yeah. a scream, we're talking about it. Um, in the very yeah. first one, they pulled a real Janet Lee in Psycho and killed Drew Barrymore in what, what effect was the cold open. That was very shocking. In the second one, it was Jada Pinkett Smith, which while wasn't a existing character, was that was a big star at the time. In number three, I believe, was they killed, they then transitioned into not the enormous big star, but a big star of the trilogy because they killed Cotton Weary played by Lev Lev Schreiber. Is this, is any of this correct? Yes. Okay. And then number four, they threw the whole thing off the bus in an interesting way and just did four different sequences of fake killouts as we zoomed out and out and out from different movies. This one was interesting because this was not a big actress, I believe. No. I mean, is she, unless, She's like a no. She is no. She is not a big. She is not a big name, uh, known actress. This became very. This is a sign of the movie really leaning into uh, the mythology of Scream, of the Scream and Westboro, and really sort of the Wes Craven obsession. Most of Wes Craven's, especially later horror movies, are all really about one thing, and it's that the kids pay with their lives for the sins of the parents. Oh. That's the same for um, parts of The Hills Have Eyes, the parents obviously being the government, but A Nightmare on Elm Street, all the parents killed Freddy Krueger, and then Freddy Krueger comes back to kill their kids. Same with Scream. Uh, Sydney's mom was a (laughs) woman about town, and everyone (laughs) sort of was paying the price for the kind of lives and relationships that she destroyed. Um, I'm not blaming Sydney Prescott's mom. She's not the real problem. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that uh, James Vanderbilt and whoever the other writer is really leaned into the other Wes Craven ethos about it's really about this town and these haunted connections of these people, all starting from Billy Loomis and um, Sydney Prescott's mom. Was that the longest answer ever? <laughs> Uh, n- not the longest answer ever. Uh, the other writer was a uh, guy, Guy Busick. Um, okay. The yeah. So I, th- I think for me, the the really there's two things about it. One, I, I like that it was it, it reminded me of the first movie a lot more. You know, you know, they're, where they're asking just the the, the basic trivia questions. Uh, she's running around doing the you know you know, but she has they added advanced technology right instead of running around locking the door, she's able to do it on her phone right. You, you know, to dis- disarm everything, and then of course not realizing that well, if he hacked into Amber's phone, he can hack into her phone too. Yep. Uh, you know that you know, the being able to undo uh, to unlock the the you know the, the ability of saying, hey, I need you to stay here because I'm threatening your friend, mm-hmm. right? You know, and then and, and creating a new reason for her to stay in place so that they can then have that interaction. Because in the first one, it was the get into. tied up boyfriend outside of the correct, patio. Correct. Right. The first one was the tied up boyfriend. So then they just took that to the next level of what's, you know, why go through all the trouble of kidnapping and beating up and tying someone up when it's like, I can just video this person and say, hey, I'm right over there and I can kill them. Right? So you stay where you are, right? You know, much it's much simpler, much cleaner. You know, you don't have to do dry cleaning afterwards. It, it works great. Um, and <laughs> Which so is, then, also need just to point out, unless it's incredibly obvious, some people, myself included, at one point was saying that cell phones would kill horror movies because having that 
access to people all the time in your pocket would be a real problem. But then th- th- we just kept moving to the woods. Like we would, oh, all movies yeah, exactly. would take place in woods or cabins or caves where the new, uh, I can't, my car can't start is I can't get service. But it's neat that they didn't have just like, oh, there was a, an a internet outage because that would have just been like a real cheesy way to do it. But instead to really lean in, like you're saying, and using the technology as part of the threat is smart. Yeah. So, and and continuing with that, then, you know, it, it then goes into the regular, okay, he's ghost faces in the house. He gets in and he stabs, uh, stabs her, breaks her leg. Uh, it actually was a, it was a more brutal seeming so opening brutal. sequence. Like, you know, the, the, the Drew Barrymore one, which is the gold standard, the end result is, you know, very beautiful, brutal since she's disemboweled and everything, but that all happens off screen. Right. Right. You know, with this one where you, you see them, you know, step, uh, stepping and breaking her leg and then stabbing her multiple times. Yeah. Right. You, you know, at, at, at the end. Right. So, so, I mean, there was, there was a lot of stabbing. Right. And, and then it cuts to the, you know, then you just cut into the opening credits, which is exactly what you know what i'm looking for in a screen movie the first part of it is of course you know oh he's over here he's over there he's around the corner anytime she looks around a door you know all the music and tension builds up it's great and it's entertaining and you, but you know she's going to get killed or is she mm. right so and and that was the this is the second part about the opening kill once you saw all that how did you how did it come across to you you know 10 minutes later that she was still alive it didn't make sense until later. Got it. Okay. Um, and I don't, are we, where are we in Spoilerville? Um, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's give it a, I can, we can, we can put a pin in that. I think, no, yeah. I thought it seemed like a weird, wait, it was so brutal and we saw so much. There's no way that that would happen. That seems sort of like a device or something that seems a little bit cheap, but then, yeah. It may it ended up making a ton of sense by the end. Okay, so then for me, but I don't want to tell you because it involves the real long game that was being played. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So then, yeah, let's uh, let's let's put a pin in that for now, and yep. then we'll talk about the other half of that real long game, right? With the <laughs> uh, you know you know the introduction of the new uh, final girl, uh, Sam. And, and her her connection and and her connection to the original movies, right? So she's so we now have a new, uh, you know, the, the, I I'm, I call them the final girl, which is you know the, the mm-hmm. Hollywood trope of the final girl that makes it to the end of all the horror movies. So we have a new one here, and and her name is Sam, and she is um, while we don't know this initially, she ends up you know be becoming she ends up that she's you know, Billy Loomis's daughter, so that's her connection to the original, and then you know, we introduce her. She's living out of town. They don't explain why. Uh, you know, you know, there's no, there's no reason for that or anything that they've they've gone through. But then they introduce her and her, uh, what is it, her boyfriend, who's played by a, I always call him just Dennis Quaid's son, um, because that's how I that's how I identify with them. Uh, but with their new boyfriend Richie, right? And so, you know, when you're first introduced to her, and she then comes, you know, she comes back, and that's part of where I started, and that's kind of what I was thinking about the 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 con. The, the correlation between the two, right? Which thought about not only that opening kill, but then that all that is does is then brings her sister back into town. A, you're surprised that she's, you know, that she's still alive, but then B, then, you know, what you think of the initial uh, motivations and impetus of the new, of her coming back, 
right? You know, when she comes right. back and sees her sister and she's talking to the friends and it seems to be that her friends like her, but her sister maybe does, maybe doesn't, right? But that they're just introducing her. So then, you know, I guess really you can talk about it at the beginning or even as a whole, you know, what you thought about Sam and how they, you know, was it a, a good or bad sequence of events where you tie her into the original so directly? Well, what did you think? Um, I, I just, I felt that it was a little bit... I understood what it did for the whole thing. I think that the more I thought about it, I, I do like the idea of just trying to bit to go, you know, with someone. You try to bit to go with someone somewhere new, right? And you have to bring in new actors, and I get that. And and with this, you know, let's face it, it's all everything is always connected to the original. So you you kind of you you kind of written into this this box of, well, I need to then have it where this, any new characters I introduce are related to the old characters, the original characters in some facet. Now they, they bring this up with the requel part later on in the movie, which, right. which definitely explains all of that and makes all of that work and, and make, and, you know, makes it work and where you kind of, you're going to go with it and enjoy it as a story. But then I, I think that I was torn on two sides. One, I I was, I did like the whole, okay, you're going to tie her back to the original because she's dude's son without, and now they did leave, they did leave all, all of the whole like awkwardness of the fact that, okay, well, she had been conceived when Billy was dating Sydney, but we didn't talk about that at all. Um, and then I was fine with that, but I, I, I found that really what I think bothered me more, I thought was different was having her live, having, having her sister hmm. Tara live because she was stabbed a lot. Right. Right. You, you know, so that was, that was a lot of the stabbing. Right. And so when you get stabbed that much and everything with that, you know, to have her live, I, I think for me, um, you know, that, that for me was a little bit of an unsatisfying thing. Like that, that, that it kind of cheapened the opening kill because the opening kills, she has, you know, the opening kill has to have a victim. And in this case, we don't have an opening kill. We have an opening maiming. And I guess right. w- and, what I meant by, for me, it ended up making sense. Mm-hmm. is it was the first time that someone was being used as bait. I think the idea of of killers killing people in Westboro and everyone arrives in town was just right. maybe the fifth time around a little bit too insane. And this film is very honest about that. Of The first thing Dewey says is, don't come back. <laughs> we don't need yeah. you. But they, right. for different reasons, more and more, I feel like they have to come back. And that was one of the reasons. If if her estranged sister had just been killed, I'm not exactly sure how long they could get them back into town or to stick around. I'm not exactly sure. I just, it just made a little bit more sense in that they were setting a trap. This really long, weird con. Now, that being said, I will be very honest in saying I found parts of this movie confusing. There were a lot of characters. A lot of them were sort of related to each other or to people in older versions of it. And I had trouble sometimes keeping track of all that. So if I say something that doesn't make any sense or, you know, feel free to correct me. Because by the end, I was like, wait, who? And it's like, oh, my God, that was Susan's roommate. And I'm like, who's Susan? So it got a, it got very incestuous after a while. <laughs> okay. So then I guess then why don't, we just talk, why don't we just start talking about that? So since she was used as bait and that brought in the, the new girl, which, you know, early on in the movie, it's just she's the, she's the sister that, you know, and she's the sister and she's the device to introduce all the, the friend group, right? Um, and so we intru- they introduce all of them and they're all you know, fine, you know, they're fine teenage, 
teenagers that are in high school that just hang out all together. Right. right? Um, and so then, but so then what did you think about that? The bringing in the classic characters, right? And how, how they did it, right? You know, so for, for one, for me, I found it made a lot of sense that Dewey still lived in town, uh-huh. right? It, it, I understood that they, you know, they, they, uh, broke up Dewey and Gale in the movie and got them had them divorced, uh, right? You know, because I I think there was you know the the meta of Scream is the whole art imitates life thing where you know them them getting married in real life they get married in Scream and then them getting divorced in real life they get divorced in Scream, right? I so, wonder if that was know, all so of their contracts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that it was not only in the contract. I believe that was part of the divorce settlement. Yeah. That they <laughs> yep. could not then be married <laughs> yeah. in 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 film anymore. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So so and so it made sense to me that Dewey still lived in town, mm-hmm. right? And so that that provided a nice vehicle for them to bring them back in, right? That the the that Sam does something that is actually. You know, if you think about it, kind of smart. She's like, "Hey, my my sister was attacked by someone wearing a ghost face mask. Let me find the the local expert on that, right. and then they go and find Dewey, who happens to still live in town for, you know, because that's because he's always been of Woodsboro, right? right? He was, you know, because when we first met him, he's kind of an, an innocent, you know, they, they call him Dewey instead of calling him Doofus, you know, something, yeah. you know, that, that. And so, you know, he's always been of Woodsboro. So that part made sense. So then that gives you the hook to bring in the, the bring in the, that, the, the classic characters. And so I'm just curious, like what you thought about, like, uh, as, as a device, or should it have been much more of a, um, you know, like a bat signal where they fear someone dies and that they all come back. No, I liked that this had layers to it and it took its time. And that, uh, because I think otherwise it would be, oh, I love that, that idea of a bat signal. Cause I think if that done, like I sort of said, the fifth time, it's just too much. And it, this made it feel really, I know, I don't, I don't know if I really believe that Sydney has kids and whoever this mysterious Mark is. <laughs> there, it's just like she's, I think she's just wheeling around a pram. Pram? Who am I? <laughs> England McGee? Uh, wheeling around like a stroller, probably with a gun in it. Uh, but that everyone has sort of moved on to a certain extent, except for the broken Dewey, who is, in addition to have being forced into retirement um, is, you know, just emotionally a mess, physically a mess. He's really gone through the ringer more than a lot of people um, in the movies that have survived. Um, I liked, so I liked the bringing in of the classic characters eventually. Uh, I think that's smart. And I think that's a reason to show up uh, because that's the difference between that and a reboot. That's what the whole, like you were saying, we get into what idea of a requel is. Yes. <laughs> Which is interesting. I liked how it wasn't just right away. Everyone showed up. I liked that there was denial. Even from Dewey, there was the denial of the call to action. You know, I like that these yes. people feel weathered. That's not a joke about Gale Weathers. But, like, they feel beaten. They're strong. They're still doing fine. But they really are, like, they've gone through something instead of just sort of being these weird um, uh, superheroes. That can survive everything. I also liked meeting the new young teens out on the park bench when school is sort of uh, canceled. I liked the update about that, that they're still not treating death as seriously as you think one should, but in no way near as gross and out of control as the the original Matthew Lillard, Skeet Ulrich. If you remember that scene when they when we meet all the friends outside, uh, they're sitting around a fountain and they're like, hey, sliced and diced and I'm going to gut you. And it's like yeah. insanely 
gross. <laughs> and this just <laughs> feels a lot more grounded of like real people. And it immediately gives them empathy, unlike those original characters, because once they learn that they're the person that they know has woken up in the hospital, they all go. Right. So it gives it, you like the characters immediately more, I thought. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I guess you do. But also then the, the thing, of course, that they're, is that they're alive. Um, you know, that, 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 that she, that, that, uh, Tara, right. Tara lived, right? right. Where in the, in the, in the original one, she's, you don't she's like. dead. And also, right. also too, while I agree with you, though, that scene is, you know, it can be cringy if you think of it in that context. At the same time, the guys that are making the jokes are the killers. So, so you're kind of like, they're just kind of really making fun of their own handiwork. Oh, that's um, true. But, no, yeah. but Randy was also <laughs> in the mix. No, he was in the you know no, but he would he, he was wasn't there, true, right? But he wasn't he wasn't making jokes. The two making jokes were the killers. That's right, Matthew Lillard. Right? Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, yeah. So, huh. Right. So so then uh, you know when you look back on it, point. it's kind of like oh okay yeah yeah. So then I see why you guys thought it was no big deal because you were there when it happened. Interesting. Or at least at least one of you was, if not both. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I think that the um. I I also as well. I really like the 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 slow burn of bringing them back. I, I did like that Dewey said no initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that his his broken upness to me seemed much more about being broken up about the dissolution of the relationship, which I found that interesting that they were going to include that type of complexity into a screen movie where you're going to have a, where he's, you know, concerned about his relationship and that, that, that is really kind of what has broken him as a person, why he had to retire from the forest and him coming back from New York and not being in New York where Gail is in a morning show. I mean, her coming back is a little bit, to me, is a little shoehorned in uh because she's you know there's the whole i'm gonna save um i'm gonna save do it live that's great i'm gonna save um you know that that she's gonna uh you know it's it's like she's going to save uh dewey or you know save him in some kind of way and that she's gonna be you know the helpful one but then she brings in her camera crew to cover it which is is a is a part of the movie for about five seconds and they're just gone unlike the first one where the camera crew was omnipresent and they were always trying to capture for the story um you know so that part i felt was a little bit shoehorned in but you know from there and everything i, I did like the 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 moving the moving forward as far as how they brought up and the fact that she when he calls sydney and tells sydney to stay away she does mm-hmm. right she she mm-hmm. doesn't she doesn't come back she's like oh, okay you know, i'm not i'm not coming back at all so i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay out where i'm at right and so and I, that's I a great that, that's a great line of do you have a gun i'm sydney prescott of course i have an effing gun that's great exactly <laughs> yes. yeah yeah yes and and so then but but as far as with them that now that they you know with them together and bringing the classic characters back that you do have the scene of which we probably should discuss is you know the kids so then what what did you think about the kids as a whole what did you think about their dynamic you know what what kind of impression you got from that first meeting or that first group talk or even just throughout the movie what you thought of them I liked that, except for maybe the red-haired girl that was the uh, red. Was or she too had, boring to be the killer. Yeah, too boring to be the killer. Yes. The one with the red streaks. They didn't have that tired '80s. Or it's probably more '90s, where you know it's a group of friends because they're all just sort of being mean to each other. Right. Like there was always just so much nagging going on all the time, and that was sort of a way of like. I think it really came from like the Disney channel of like everyone just big sister, little sister, big sister, little brother, constantly putting each other down with every single line. This actually felt like a group of friends. Um, And I kind of liked seeing them together. Um, I like this young group of actors too, which helps. Oh, okay. And And I got less of a feeling of I'm the blank. Oh yeah. Well, I'm the blank. Like they didn't, that guy still, you know, sort of looks like the, um, 
jock and book smart, but he didn't really act like mm-hmm. it. Uh, there oh, was no real you know, I, nerd. There was no any of that kind of stuff. I liked that oh. they all just sort of seemed like a group of kids that liked each other. Oh well, that's 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 very that's very forgiving of you of them. You don't like I, it. I, I well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's uh, that is that is a very generous interpretation. I would say. <laughs> okay, I mean, that, so you yeah, don't agree? In the, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. Their, their interactions were like what you're saying, but they they all they did fit into the archetypes. You know, the the brother, the twin brother was the jock. The twin sister was the nerd. The uh, what the 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 best friend that was the odd one. So so it was it Amber. A- Am- Amber's Amber's the quirky girl. Uh, Tara is the uh, peacekeeper that, you know, the one that got stabbed here at the beginning. She's the peacekeeper that keeps them all together. And then the redheaded girl that you're talking about, you're, you're right. She's she's not really a, one of their friends. She's just going out with the jock. Okay, sure. Yeah. I guess it felt yeah, yeah. a little yeah. bit, people weren't spread into the extremes as much Yes, for me. I, no, I, so maybe I, I I'm being overly that. forgiving, but I think because it's been so many character crimes have been committed especially in slasher movies <laughs> maybe yes. the fact that it wasn't you know uh, r- ridiculous of like oh no i uh, you know you got your football in my algebra book like <laughs> i'm a little more forgiving because it wasn't quite on the nose <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah that's exactly and, and honestly i feel that that scene was missing i think there might be a cut scene where they where they where they have something like that where, where the where the a little bit of soft bullying where they where they're throwing the football sure. at one of them yeah yeah, yeah absolutely that, that should be there yeah all right so uh, I just want to transition then and I'll ask you I'll ask you what you thought one of the what you thought was the best sequence in the movie I'm going to cheat and start with my own and it's okay because I a hundred percent agree for me the best sequence in this movie is the killing of Sheriff Judy and Wes. Uh, Wes is, oh, he's he is also the friend that doesn't quite fit directly into an archetype, although uh, in the in the modern times, he seems to be more the, uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how to accurately he's describe a, what he's he is. He's, kinda, he's, 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 he's a little yeah, more he's, sensitive. He's, a, he's like the sweet, innocent kid, yeah. you know, friend of the group, right, and everything, and that's kind of that's what he is. Um, you know, which, you know, the, who knows? Maybe Sheriff Judy was a very domineering parent, and then you know, he, he felt he couldn't express himself and and obviously hold a candle for one of the sisters if right. not both i was i got confused I halfway too. through which one he was liking but i know he had a crush on one of them i'm just not sure which one uh, yeah um agreed anyway um so the but the best sequence to me in the movie is the killing of the two of them mm-hmm. um one i i i, I guess there's several things that I liked about it. One was the uh, the setting up of the sheriff calling the sheriff while she's out and about um, that you're going to, you know, and telling her that I'm going to kill your son and you're not going to make it back in time. That whole setup right there just to get her to rush back, right, is great for, you know, great for the reasons of well, A, you think, okay, well, you're going to have a rush back because you want her to see your handiwork, of course, and then B, it, it provides that tension of this really small town with really apparently one high school geographically seems to be very large because they're able to like it takes quite a bit of time for sheriff judy to get back home they're able, they're able to have a lot of conversation <laughs> and she has sirens and is running red lights and everything it still takes her quite a bit of time to get back this town is um, so, westboro but, is famous for two things being enormous it's the size of yeah. <laughs> two times of manhattan even though no one lives in there and then every hospital is completely empty <laughs> completely empty yes i know it's one point they're like we're gonna move you to a private floor and i was like what private floor yes. why would you do that and no one yeah. works at this hospital <laughs> yeah 
So, yeah. So, so then uh, th- that first part, you know, that, that gives you the chase uh, sequence, uh, the, the chase feeling or the anxiety of her trying to hurry up and get back to save her son. And then what for me is uh, I was literally crying in the theater uh, of all the different laughing I was doing was the constant fake outs. Uh, use of tropes in the West scene, the, fa- the fake outs. Yes. I mean, it, it, there was, there was a cat. He looks behind three or four doors. He looks in the refrigerator. We're back in, it's, sorry, this is, we're back in the house while Sheriff Judy is racing back to get to her son. Her son, Wes is in the house setting up every single, this is where the bad guy is going to jump out situation and it not happening over and over again as the score freaks out and like violins are violining all over themselves like it is it's just this pressure release pressure release that no it's thrilling and funny and like it just leans into it in such a thrilling way i thought it was outstanding yes. i'm so glad you liked it too yes no i i thought i thought it was great and uh, honest uh, and i thought it was great in all those pressure releases but they do all of that and then in the middle cut to Sheriff Judy finally gets home. She's running in the house. You, 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 you're ex- fully expecting, okay, she's running in the house. She's going to open the front door. He's going to be right behind the door. Two, he jumps out on the porch. He's outside right. the whole so, time. He's so, behind so the little He meets her outside. Yeah. Outside on the porch in the front, in, you know, in the, in the, in the front broad daylight. In there, you know, it's broad daylight in this town that is just ginormous population five, apparently. Yeah. No neighbors or anyone sees this. But no. yeah. So, but that, you know, and he does it there. And so it still gives you a bit of a jump and a bit of a surprise for a thing you were expecting. Right. Right. And, and I thought that was, to, to me, you know, a real part of the genius of this sequence. Not only all the pressure release with the score and everything was great with that, but the fact that you know what's coming and they still managed to surprise you by having it happen just a half a beat sooner than you thought it was going to occur. And Yeah, because you right. didn't know what rug you were standing on. And so when they exactly. pulled it, <laughs> it's still yeah. really, and that you were primed to have that type of sort of release. Um, and there's something, there was a lot of daytime in this movie. Yes. Um, I'm interested in that. Like the whole sequence of all of um, Wes's going through the house, it's all extremely lit. There's a lot of light in this movie, which is very rare for this type of film. And I'm wondering if that, this is probably a stretch, but I wonder if it is dealing a little bit with the anxieties that we've been going through over the last two years of that you don't need to be scared and scared for your life. You don't need to be in a dark basement. Yeah. You know, it's scary. Your driveway, the supermarket, very well lit places have become a, a sign, a, a place that you can fear for your health and your life and those around you. I wonder if they sort of leaned into that subconsciously or consciously. Does that make any sense? Is that interesting at all? It 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 does make sense, and it's an inter- it's it's an interesting. And of course, I'm talking about the, the hoax. Just kidding. I'm talking about the pandemic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I complete uh, undo my entire reputation. Of course, what I'm talking about is the stealing of the election. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, exactly. The um, yeah, uh, that I wonder if because there was something very affecting of seeing Sheriff Judy fighting for her life in broad daylight on her front porch. Yes. You just don't see that. Yeah. No, 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 no. I agree. I, I honestly hadn't really, uh, I hadn't really thought of that connect, connection that the, 
that it was, you know, I thought about that in terms of connecting it to, you know, a modern society. I kind of just wrote it off to, okay, well, similar to the hospital floor, how it's like, well, apparently all of her neighbors are gone to work or something, right. or, you know, wherever they are, that, that's happening right there in her front, in her front porch. Um, but yeah, no, that, that is, that is a, that's a very interesting observation. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought that through. And then I guess I need to think through more, a little bit more of the rest of the movie to see, well, what else was in broad daylight? Because all of those tropes were, you know, like the, the shade from the door versus sunlight, the shade of the refrigerator versus sunlight or the shade of, you know, or the, the tight shot into, you know, tight shot on West's, you know, West's head, right? So where you don't have a lot of light around to then widening it out to where you have it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that they, they kept that, that light dark theme going throughout that entire sequence. Right. And uh, Brian in the, in the Discord chat um, uh, brought up a Midsommar, a film that I absolutely adore. Um, that that takes place largely in daylight. He's right. There are different films that are trying to take that out, but still, like Midsommar takes place, it might as well just be in a compound in the middle of nowhere. At A Quiet Place 1 and 2 that he also brought up, you're still sort of on an island. Well, I guess she's on an island because three people live in this stupid town. All right. It's an, it's an interesting idea. I like that horror is not just dealing with, um, let's send one person down into a basement. Oh, and I, even though they actually literally do that in this movie, but they play it for a laugh. Um, I do have one other thing about that, about sort of subverting horror tropes that I want to bring up at some point, but I don't know when is the best no, time. Bring it up. Bring it up now. Okay. Um, One of the things that this movie did, not the whole time, but it definitely did, the Scream, especially Scream 2, did really well. Something that slasher, in my opinion, slasher movies and horror movies in general, a lot of the time, really make a mistake of is only thinking it's only scary if there's one person alone walking through slowly and it's dark or whatever, there's an enormous amount of fear to become out of groups when groups are together because groups lead to panic and panic spreads. And so it's almost like a, it's a very weird positive darkness of like, ah, that there was constant in scream two. And there was one scene in screen three where all the major characters would all end up in one room and it'd be like, okay, nobody panic. And then the lights would go off and they'd all scream. And it really gives you a jolt. In this movie, they did the exact same thing. There were times when everyone was together, all at peril, but then it really just sort of, it noticed that you don't have to be alone. One person alone creeping through a hallway is one part of horror. Being together with people and still being unsafe is also, can be really um, exciting. And I like that this movie um, remembered that. And then the last thing I want to say, and I'm going to stop talking for forever, is I like that this movie really leaned into the paranoia of a, like a movie like The Thing. You are in this group of people, and you know from the beginning you cannot trust at least one person in this group. So much of this movie is about who do we trust? I mean, the, did you see the original poster for this movie? Um, it was the, it was the, it was the ghost face and then a house and then all of the stars and the tagline of the poster was the killer is on the poster. Oh, it referenced its own poster. It said, and it's really leaning into, yeah, the whole thing about scream is it's not an other, it's not the shape. It's not Michael Myers. It's someone that you just know in the cast. I just think that's really interesting. Sorry. I got, I got too excited. I feel like I rambled a bit, but. Those are all interesting things to me. 
Yes, no, I, I, they are. I just I just looked up the poster, and yeah, it, it's it, that is a great that's a great little uh, nod to the to their own meta ness. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So then, um, oh my God, they killed Dewey. You Oof. bastards! They need so. they needed to kill someone big. I'm glad. Would you? Hmm. I just started nine sentences and I don't know how to complete any of them. I thought it was nicely done. What did you think? <laughs> Hold on. I thought it was done. I thought I they like, gave it complete complete four of the sentences. Yeah, Go. they gave it they um they gave it the reference reverence that I think it deserved. I think it was filmed really nicely. I liked his last moment of saying, "Who cares? I do." I thought it was really neat, and the probably put in later in ADR, but the killer saying it was an honor to take him out. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, I, I, I think that was probably written in the script. You think? You know, if you think about their, if you if you think about the motivations of the killers at the end, sure, uh, which we'll, we'll that's a good talk point. about uh, soon. That it would be a big deal to kill Dewey. For yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that was in. I, I did. Um, I, I thought that yeah, they had to kill someone. I was admittedly hoping it was going to be Gail, um, but uh, oh. if they have to, you know, they, you know, because sure. well, you know, I, well, I, I she, just, I find she deserves it. Like as far as redemption things, no one deserves to die, but she, her redemptive arc, in the way that she even brought up in the movie, that her writing of the book and exposing Sidney Prescott's um, extramarital affairs is one of the things that really started this. So that makes sense. Well, it, it isn't even that um, well thought out and thought through that way. It really is more of a, I, I was, you know, I, I find that of the three of them, she's the most disposable and that you can, you know, even though I love Courtney Cox as an actress, I think she's great. She's awesome in all these movies. And, you know, I, I, I would enjoy it again if they make another one with the original three. Although the way this ended, I think that the three of them are done. Um, well, at least we know we know we know that, that Dewey's done. Right. Right. So that, you know, the way the way it's written, I think the three of them are done. But um I, I just I, I have always found that uh, Dewey to me was pivotal because of his place in the town, kind of what they had to establish at the beginning of this, and that's always been his through line. Uh, Sydney is is has to be there because you know she's the official final girl of Scream. She's right. the one that lives in the end of all of them, so she has to be there. Uh, Gail, on the other hand, was just kind of along for the ride because someone has to. You know, all all court cases need a stenographer. So there you go, right? So I thought that. Uh, so I was like, well, let's just you know, let's just get rid of Gail. Sure. So, so I think that the killing of Dewey. Yes, I agree with the the send off part of it. Not only that it was an honor thing, but the fact that he shoots you know shoots him four or five times in the chest, goes puts him in in the elevator to keep them to get them safe, but then recognizes and remembers. Oh yeah. They always come back, having seen that multiple times through his years, and he's going to then go back for that final to then shoot him in the head. Uh, of course, he delays for a second, and then, of course, that delay is when the killer comes back, and for whatever reason, he's not ready to shoot him in the head, and you know, Dewey gets killed in a in a pretty grotesque way, yeah. right? Like they, you know, they're they're stabbed on really both sides and raised up the back. You know, it, it was it was a it was really kind of a oh, you, you know, you're not only shocked by him being, you kind of have the shock of him getting stabbed that way. Where you feel he's going to die, but then also the gruesomeness of the, it's kind of like a, oh no. And then it's like a, oh, you know, when you jump back, what way he's dying. So I, I think that really, in a way, though, that's a great send off. This movie across the board is more, I believe, way more brutal than any of the other screams. 
I know that we talked about like um, the disemboweling, but you, as you said, it happened off screen. A lot of the old screams, a lot of it had to do with a close up of the knife raising and then falling out of frame. Right. Yes. And when you hear the gross, this was MCU or medium shots of multiple stabbings over and over and over again, or the ugh, Wes's. Which I was screaming yeah, out loud where there's two I – mean, I mean, A, this movie, so much neck stabs. So much – everyone should be wearing chain collars. Uh, so much neck stabbing. Yeah, chain mail? But yeah, for, so yeah chain, chain mail, that's the that. thing. Oh, it's yeah. not called chain collars? Sorry, I'm not the yeah, historian no. that you are, big action. But then to <laughs> have so. the knife go in through and out of a cheek is like rough. This movie really upped it. In yeah, a way I was that, expecting that yeah. to pull it out sideways to have the knife come at the camera. Oh, interesting. Just it, he just pulled it back straight out because yeah. I was like, because it was so gross going through his Ugh. neck that way when it came in, came back out. I was like, well, you know what? You might as well go all out and just, you know, have a, you know, a little shard of, <laughs> so shards you, of blood at the camera. If you were there you know, on the so. crime scene, you'd say a few notes. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Maybe just really yeah. go for it. Yeah. No, yeah, this movie yeah. is brutal. I'm sorry to over talk with you when you were talking about the send off of Dewey. I just wanted to do say that this is not the screams of old. They have really upped. Uh, and then when the killer is being killed by the person that kills him or her, that's brutal as hell and goes on for forever. It's it's serious. Yes, 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 it is. And so I think that the you know the the killing of Dewey. It had to happen. They had to have a way to to raise the stakes to make you then also fully believe that anybody could get killed. It also provided a reasonable way to bring Sydney back for the tail end of the movie, right? Because she Dewey says don't come. She doesn't come. She listens. Dewey gets killed. She then comes back for you know the ostensibly a funeral, but then she you know, knows Gail is there. Because I guess Gail would have had to, you know, it's one of the things where it's like, well, how did she know Gail was there? And then I stopped and thought about it for three seconds. And I'm like, well, obviously Gail called her and told her what happened, right? And so, yeah, so then that, she's there to support support Gail through it and that, you know, and Dewey's, uh, Dewey's dead. And then the, it provides the interesting segue into when they come out of the hospital and talking to Tara and saying, Hey, we just want your help in murdering the person that did this to Dewey. Right. Right. Like these, these characters Same. that have been, you know, running for their lives, afraid of killers throughout the whole, throughout the whole franchise are like, Oh no, they killed Dewey. So now we're just going to hunt them down. Sure. So if you don't mind, just point it the right direction and we'll just take them out. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I, I found that to be such an interesting shift mm -hmm. in their, you know, kind of in their mentality, right? Like, you know, they've, they've always been like, we're only killing to keep ourselves alive as opposed to, no, we're going to then actively hunt these people down. That's kind of a shift that we can also see in the new Halloween series. Uh, directed by David Gordon Green, that they are trying to fight for their lives, but then they really go on the offensive. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have I've not seen the new Halloween movie. At least in the first one. I started watching the second one, and it was like, oh, right, I have anything else to do with my time, because I did not care for the second one so far. But go ahead. Okay, yeah. All right, so um, why don't we just jump ahead? So the, everybody's back, and then we're getting to what we really want to, what we really want to get to, which is, all right, you're going to have the, of course, it wouldn't be a screen without a party. Um, and then there is, of course, a massive party. There is the, uh, really, I think the 
penultimate point of the long con that we talked about, which is getting everybody into the house. Because at this point in the movie, when when Dewey dies, right, uh, Tara is making a actually sorry, not Tara, Sam. Sam. Sam is making what is actually a smart decision, which nobody ever does in horror movies, right? It's like, hey, there's a bunch of killings going on. Let's get out of here. Everybody in horror movies wants to investigate, right? She's like, no, we're going to do the smart thing. We're going to get out of here. I'm going to take my sister. I'm going to take my boyfriend, and we're going to go. And then they create the then, – then that sets in motion the long con, or at least the penultimate part of the long con, to get all of them together at, of course, the – what obligatory scream party, you know, by having the little sister, not Tara, not being able to find her inhaler, which uh, we've been watching the movie all this time and asthma never, asthma's never been a problem, but apparently yeah. right now it's an emergency. Yep. You know, so let's just, we'll just, we'll move on from there. That felt a little weird. And then, exactly, yeah, 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 where all of a sudden it was a big deal. Like, you've been running around for your life for a while and you didn't have an inhaler, but now you need one? <laughs> Someone okay. in the movie later calls you a pin cushion and now you have a little attack of the wheezies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> You're pretty much. Yeah, he actually made him a pick. All that stabbing in the beginning, but now yeah. it's fine. All right. So anyway, um, so and then they, you know, to bring them to the party, right? And so at at the party, that's when we're going to, um, you know, that they're all going to get together. That you know, you're going to have some killings. I actually found that um, for me, the party sequence was one of the. Even though you talked about about having the groups together, mm-hmm. uh, for me, the party sequence was. A little bit of a letdown for me because I honestly wanted more killing, mm. right? You know, the the whole the the part with Richie when they come in and then show up and then they throw everybody out. Right. My first question is why? That was right? like, rough. why are they throwing everybody out? And then well, I B, think we find out. But that's yeah. a lot of yeah. exactly. Yeah, you find them. But then B, I'm as a fan disappointed, going, hey. That's a lot of people we can kill, right? <laughs> so, like, right. what's going on here? Why are these people? Why are you throwing out all the victims? I right. mean, you, you can just start slashing these people left and right. It'd be great, right? You know, and so, <laughs> so then bringing that, and so I think that all of that really just kind of lends to the motivation of the new killers, right? Unfortunately, yeah, there is a fair amount of unsatisfactory feelings that then at the end you're like, oh, I guess but I wish there was a better way to write it. So I wasn't like, that was disappointing, that was disappointing. Oh, that's why that happened. That doesn't make it a fun experience as much. Right. And I'm still exactly confused about the who is who at the end. <laughs> I got to be honest. Can you break down the exact motivations of, okay, and this is it. We're doing the final killers. We're doing, yes, the final killers. So the reveal that they're in the original house from the first one I liked the idea of it more than I did the actual execution. Mm -hmm. I was a little bit like, oh, wait. Oh, okay. Wait. Like it didn't, it wasn't this huge, that that house just wasn't iconic for me. Right. Westboro's iconic, but there are other places. I don't know. I just, unfortunately, I wish that that worked as much as the movie thought that it worked for me with that sort of Dutch angle, way pull back into the wide. We've been here the whole time. Like, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. There's probably a bunch of fun clues for super, super fans of, holy cow, it's the same house. I just wasn't in for it. Mm-hmm. And then, so we've got two killers. Of course. Of course. We've got out of town boyfriend who I love very much, Dennis, Mr. Quaid. Mr. Uh, Quaid. Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid from Richie. The Boys. I know him from The Boys. And then Mikey or Mickey Madison, 
who is now officially getting typecast as the girl at some point you light on fire. Because the only thing that I remember her from is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Spoiler alert. Where she was set on fire. Where she is set on fire with a, <laughs> uh, with a, um, what you call Yes. Uh, and so what was, what was it? <laughs> They're both obsessed. They want to be there. No, uh, instead of, cause number four was about just really wanting to be famous. If I remember correctly. Yes. Um, yes and so this famous. one is about, they're angry. It's about toxic fandom. And yes. they're so angry that the Stab series ran out of juice, out of actual stories to tell. So they're mm -hmm. creating the next true crime that can become the film. That's interesting. <laughs> what yes. do you think about that? I think it's because toxic fandom has reached a real pinnacle. Well, I feel like in the in real life. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the, the that toxic fandom is definitely interesting. Uh definitely definitely an issue in real life. I do though think that it's it's interesting that it's an interesting commentary on toxic fandom to basically say that, well, taken to its logical conclusion that if you gave toxic fans a story based on reality, eventually some of them would be crazy enough that they'd want to then create new stories for that reality. Right. Right. And so um, a lot of times my, you know, my personal experience with toxic fandom is definitely much more dealing with things like, you know, superhero movies right. or Star Wars or things like that, like things that are clearly not real, right? Not, not a set of horror movies based on huh. what are at least sure. in this universe real events. Right, you know, because and honestly, it's one of those things of where you stop and think about the whole idea of a stab of a stab movie franchise. It's like, so wait, you guys are so callous that you made a horror movie out of a real killings, and then when more of the real killings happened, you made horror movies out of that too. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So, so it's so it's it's one of those things of where, on the one hand, yes, I agree with the commentary the thing with toxic killings, but then there's also part of it where it's like, well, if that if a horror movie franchise like stab actually existed in the real world i'd be like well what did you think the fans were going to be like right right that you're that that you're that callous that you know even even once you know that there are other killings based on your movie or any killings in the screen three was killings in made done by people making your movies right and you're still doing it right the, the show must go on so yeah so i think yeah so i i think that 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 part of it was kind of okay. I just felt that, um, yeah, I think that that's what it was the next logical conclusion that, you know, from, I just want to be famous to that we're, we're providing new material because you need to find a way to have it be unrelated. The first three movies are all very specifically related to people that know Sydney. You ruined my family. Right? And, and, you killed my son. Right, right, and then yes. you remember him. What was the third I'm your one? Half brother, I'm, I'm your half brother, oh, and right. your mother disowned me. That's right. right. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. much so, in a so small town. Boy, yeah. Well, you you know that 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 mother had you know she she was she was not bored. Um, so Miss <laughs> Prescott, uh, <laughs> the late Miss Prescott. Yeah, no, she's doing. It. Yeah, she had. Let's say hobbies. Um, let's say she is there. Yeah, she had the most story of any character that has never seen a moment of screen time uh, of anyone else in this franchise. <laughs> That's a good point. 
<laughs> whoever yeah. whoever so, is the actress in that still photo, the one yeah. still photo that they keep showing, I wonder if she's like, do I not get any residuals? <laughs> I've done <laughs> so much off screen. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah. This whole universe is based on, on is on my shoulders, people. I need to get paid. So, yeah. So I think that they had to come up with a way to to create motivation for killers that were not related directly yep. to Sydney. But then also yeah. they and they it's interesting they gave it to the final girl. They gave it to that Billy Loomis's daughter is the lead, is the new final girl and harnessing her and that was that was pretty cool to see Skeet Ulrich show up. I like yes. that. Yes, that was neat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was yeah. like I was like, "Oh no. Oh, it's not like this weird CGI thing. Like they really got him." I was a little afraid for a second. Um like they would just film all of his dialogue over someone's shoulder. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> that sucks. But no, he still looks like he's skeeting it up. He's doing fine. Yeah. Um, and I like that. Well, I'm the, sure there was a lot of makeup there. Too. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I think I saw a little bit of that Irishman de-aging, maybe. Don't tell him I said that. Skeet, we love you. R.I.P. What? He's just still alive. Uh, but um, I like that they gave that the incestuousness of that everyone in this town is still suffering from the sins of this town actually gave her sort of a power at the end, which was neat. It's a smart way to do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that, that is, but I, I guess though, to me, the, okay. So with the reveal of the killers in that it is, um, you know, Richie and, and, and they're not related to anyone. No, Amber. Richie and Amber. Richie well, and Amber. Are they? No, they, they, they are fans. They're just Amber fans of the Stab series. They're just fans of the Stab series. And her Amber, parents happened to Amber, buy the original murder house. Correct. And she didn't know that at the time. And then she found out later on that that's what it was. Um, <laughs> and then also uh, that, you know, well, of course she wouldn't know at the time. They don't really say how old she was when they right. when they bought the house, right? Because she would have been a kid, which wouldn't she wouldn't have been involved in the purchase process. And so she just realized she's there. And then they met Richie in a fan group and then they decided that they are going to then create new material for it. And then beyond that, all the rest of the That's the part I missed that they met at a fan group. I somehow skimmed over that yeah. part and that's the connection I couldn't make. So part of me oh, was okay. like, oh yeah. maybe someone's a half cousin because everyone's a goddamn half cousin. <laughs> This movie. Exactly. Well, yeah. Okay. In this I get it. Was, they, yeah, so they're they, just they super fans. The, yes. And they well, want to make a fans, fans make uh, the next movie. That's correct. Because part of the toxic fandom, of course, was the uh, discussion about Stab Eight in this universe, which whereas the one where they went away from the tropes, right? It would be it would be like making a scream movie where you don't have an opening kill, you have a whole new character that has nothing to do with Sydney at any point, and then you're moving on, right? And so they, they were <laughs> like, "No, we don't want that. Our real we're real fans. We need what, we, right. what we're getting." And so I think that this was also part of it. You know, from a more meta standpoint, this could be part of where they're trying to say, "Hey, uh, let's not have all this toxic." fandom with this show because with this movie because we're going to want to make Scream 6 starring uh, you know uh, you know sorry Melissa Barrera as sure. Sam right we're going to want to make more and these th- your three original characters that you love so much are not going to be on it anymore yeah Right, you know, so that could have been a little bit, a little bit of that. But I, I found the things that I had always I'm tracking up at first was how the twins were related. I did not remember Randy's first name. Uh, you know that the the whole like he's their uncle kind of thing, which you know I was like, oh, okay, that was that was interesting choice. That that, that you, I mean, you don't have, quite you understand gotta, how that all works, but yeah, a total mystery how it all works. But okay, whatever it is, what it is. Um, and then uh, and then beyond that, the, I mean, the girlfriend is just the girlfriend, and then you know they had the 
Uh, she's kind of just a random person there that they need to kill someone uh, with a gun. Um, but what was your thought? So I, I was actually uh, when I saw this, I took my son to it. Took my son to it, and we uh, and I, How old I your son? really kind of figured out. Uh, oh, he's sixteen. Oh, I thought you'd be so, like, so uh, he's three. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's eight. Yeah, he needs. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know what? You need to get the desensitized yeah. now. Stop yeah. crying. So, it's called the first <laughs> kill. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be a lot more of this. If if you're upset now, you better buckle up, buddy. (laughs) Protect your throat, son. Because there's a lot of throat stabbers out there. That's what we're learning today. Today's lesson, protect the throat, protect the neck. Yeah. Yeah. So... So I figured out pretty early in the end, right? That obviously Dewey was right in one about getting, uh, getting, uh, picking Richie as the killer, which was great. I, I didn't figure it out that he was one of the killers until uh, the hospital scene when he kept looking back. Yes, right? so at, the, at the back, other, he kept at the fallen, yes. at the person, the other, the ghost face that right. was shot. Yeah, me right. too. Exactly. Yeah, me so, too. Me so too. I me too. Like, okay, he's one because because one of the things I love about Scream now, I'm always looking for two killers. So it's so always like, all right, check. He's one. And then the other one, I, I didn't figure out, Amanda, until they had to go back to the house. So, which is to me is like, well, I'm figuring out a little early, but not early enough that it, that sure. it fully counts. Right. But w- once they had to, once the, they had to go back to her house to get the inhaler, I was like, well, that can't be an accident. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, th- so there's that. Now, uh, th- to me, and then this was one of the things that I was curious if I was the only one, uh, if you thought this, or I don't know how Wise Braylon thought this. They repeated the problem I had with the screen four killers, right? And they repeated it with the Amanda being one of the killers. And that is Ghostface is tall. Oh yeah. Right? He's 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 always tall, right? And like and then so and then in it, in the movie where you don't think about it for too long, right? You look at, you know, Richie Richie is tall, so he works. Yep. But Amanda's very short. Amber, sorry, Amber is very short, right? And then there's the scene where, you know, you when they reveal the two because you were like, like, who's the other one, right? When they reveal her, I was like, well, how could she have killed Dewey like that? Right, because they were standing, they were back to back in the in the uh, hospital hallway. Right, yeah. but not only that, he, he, the Dewey when they when he first attacked Dewey at the beginning of the fight, he's stabbing down. Right, right. right. You know, yeah. and so he's stabbing down at Dewey, and then I'm mean, surprised they're on the ground rusting and all that makes sense, fine. But then even the final one to, to do to do the stab him in the front, bring the knife around, stab him in the back, and then raise up. Right, you need to be. Yeah. It, you, the way she the way it was done is the person's pulling up to their to or to their own head, right? Not pushing, which she would have been because she would have been several inches shorter than Dewey, right? And so I, I found it interesting that it's you know. I understand that you kind of have to... It breaks down a bit. Yeah, I understand you kind of have yeah. to go with it with some of these things. But in the second, in, in, in Scream, because in the first three Screams, the killers are all taller men, right? And then in the fourth one, when they have the guy-girl combination, they're both very short, right? And, right, it's and there's a some parts, There's actually some other scenes with that, which I can talk about that, where I really noticed it with that. And then in this one, I, I was a little bit bothered by, oh, well, you've also now made the killer again someone that is very short, even though Ghostface is always right. tall. He's always taller than everybody he's 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 trying to kill. Well, you you are forgetting right. one important fact. Uh, it's mentioned uh, in the in the first one that Westboro, the town of Westboro, makes apple boxes. They have a warehouse filled of apple boxes <laughs> and step ladders, and so the town is filled with them. 
all over yeah, the okay. places. Got all over the place. Got it. Oh, yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's little like little lanes for people to run in, and then apple boxes for, <laughs> exactly. for killers that are that are, cha- that so are, people that are challenged. Were, yeah, I think inside. Mickey yeah. was wearing Amber was wearing apple boxes for shoes. <laughs> I've heard of it. Uh, kind of like yeah. a, a Howard Hughes thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> or she could have been committed to her heels. You know what? I did not think that hundred percent. She yeah. might have been committed to her, her her heel game, where she's always wearing you know seven eight inch heels. Ocean, I think you're right? a great host, but you got to pay attention to these details. No, everything I, you're I, saying I, is a hundred percent right. Once oh, got it. It, it is okay. clear that Amber was the one fighting Dewey. Like, yes, that it just doesn't work. But I give all that stuff very, um, I'm very uh, forgiving with that kind of stuff. Yeah. With yeah, horror no, movies I, and stuff, because then at some point it's just that makes it not as much fun. I'm not blaming you for pointing that out. It's worth pointing out because it is absolutely a problem uh, that if she is. Half the size of doing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so much shorter. That was the, the yeah. The, the, that was the the problem I had with with the four because they were both just they were very short, right? Yeah, in four, yeah. So anyway, um, and so then once they reveal and do that, then is that? Did you find the the two that end up being the killers? Did you find that to be satisfying? Uh, again, like I sort of hinted at, I was I felt like I was a little bit playing catch up, so. Um, I, I like the idea again, more than the execution. I was so, and apparently I missed the most important line, which was we met at a fan convention. Cause I was like, wait, who is what, um, you know, it's that insane over amount of talking and from the first one, but there was some fun sort of tie-ins and I guess ideally I I don't know, because part of me feels like I would want it to still be within the Westboro family, but then I can't imagine if it was still within the Westboro family, how I wouldn't be like, what is wrong with this stupid town? (laughs) (laughs) That everyone that goes to this, like, just kill the town or something, like, just build a wall around it. So I don't know. Like, I feel like it's maybe almost a slightly unwinnable possibility. Well, the only one not from Westboro is Richie of the of these two, right? But she's, I guess, I mean, affected by these families. Oh, okay, yes, yes, I see your because Amber wasn't really affected by these families, but maybe if you sort of if you picture the town as being a little bit diseased by all this stuff, then then yeah, maybe she got sort of tainted by that. Okay, yeah, yeah fair enough, fair enough, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I found that for me. What did you think? Well, I found that for me that I love that it was Richie. That was great. Yeah. Right. That, that, was, that was great. Especially to call it out. Yes. So many times. Yeah. Call it out so many times. Say it. Be upfront about it. That it's him. Right. And then it actually is him. Right. You know, you, you have him wearing different tropes. He's always, of course, not right. He's not around the moment someone's getting attacked or he's, you know, down getting beers and someone else is getting attacked. It's great. Yeah. Um, I, I found that the the ending when they started introducing Amber, that part was a little rushed because a it didn't make sense. The why do you shoot the girlfriend with a gun? I was like, you could have just you know stabbed her earlier. She was around, right? You know, oh, right. It wasn't a problem, right? You know, and so that that part felt a little rushed, and so it it was just kind of rushed is a great word for that. It got it became a little soupy for me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so that's what, and that's really where I started feeling that at the end. I, I kind of came with a couple things of where it's like, all right, well, I'm fine with it being Richie. That's awesome. And then you know they they do the the different kills. They set they set uh, Amber on fire, 
awesome, good, good, se- good sequence there, you know, and, and also uh, even having Sydney and Gail discuss which one of them gets to kill Amber. Yeah. Oh, well, she, Amber killed Dewey, Gail, so by all means, yeah. you go ahead and do it, right? So it's kind of that dark, dark humor there in, in that part as well. And then the, uh, you know, Tara, sorry, Sam, I was called, I'm calling Sam, I'm calling the wrong name, but Sam going, you know, crazy at the end and and stabbing yeah. uh, Richie so many times, right? That was, that was a very cool. gruesome dusty, and it was it was also it is one of the things of where it's like it was it was a lot, right? And so, but it and felt in a movie that has, uh, yes, for it me, felt cathartic and yeah. in a film that had a lot, it's a lot, yeah, right? And so, <laughs> yeah. so for me though. That part aside, which is all of which you expect, and of course, you know, if she comes back to life from putting me on fire, she gets shot more, all that's, you know, your boilerplate, end of screen. My thing with the finale was, at the end of it, I feel we have an incompetent killer. Oh. Because, A, Tara shouldn't be alive. Okay, she, she's bait. I oh. can forgive. You want to forgive that? Fine. Okay. Okay. But, B, how was... The twin boy still alive. He was because yes, at the end when they're taking the twin girl who's still alive but was saved. Oh, so, was that the okay. thumbs up face? I the couldn't see up, who was the under his up, face. Yes, the of thumbs course, up in the hospital that was the twin boy. Oh, so both of the twins were alive at the oh, end. Oh, they're terrible and, at killing. You are right. And and um and so I'm I'm a little disappointed that that's some huh. terrible killing that you can stab two people. Between the two of them, I mean, she, they were stabbed <laughs> a minimum of 15 times. Minimum. It was so much. <laughs> minimum, right? And so it's like, you got stabbed. That, and that was the ones, I'm only counting the stabs in the ribs. They were like, yeah. the twin boy was stabbed in the, in the, in his thigh. Right, which you do bleed out from that. Right, femoral. Right, where he was stabbed, he was stabbed in his thigh, he was stabbed a bunch of times there, he was held down. And so it's like, so how are all of these people living? That right. and, is, and, and to, to me, it was like, I, I, why do we have incompetent killers? In in the previous Scream movies, you know, while I'm able to forgive a lot of things, when they killed someone and stabbed someone, they stayed stabbed and they died, right? Then this one, what, a third of the people they tried to kill lived? <laughs> I didn't know that that was the I was I forgot about that character and I remember being angry that twin girl was like oh well I'll find another twin brother because she did not seem upset at all so that makes sense that that was him that's a terrible placement of a face mask for me then um, that's a really good point they're not very good at it well but they're just again they're just is there something to be said about that that if they're just fan like now I'm trying to like get really meta and forgive it of fans thinking that they can do it as well as the originals correct and, and they're so, just so they're not like- as good at it I don't believe that the movie is saying that one of the things that I do like and Brian uh brought up in the um uh, Discord is, is there any good stumbling and bumbling from the killers in this one? That's separate from what you're saying, but yes, there still is. The killers still get their butts kicked. Yes. Every absolutely. sequence. And that was something that the first Scream really brought to the franchise also. That really hadn't happened that much of that there's fighting back, that there's not just screaming and then hiding in a closet. Um, so there's still a ton of that. But yeah, you're right. They're just not good at their jobs. <laughs> no. And, and, and I didn't I even like think the, about that. Yeah, I like the stumbling and the stumbling and bubbling that the killers do in this, where it is very, you know, it's it's like a human is killing them. 
uh, right. and they're able to that's then fight appropriate. back against this human, and then they are overpowered by that human. And that, to me, makes it right. it's interesting to me that I'm th- that I think, well, that makes this more realistic. Right, it makes you know, it less in a movie of, that's not realistic, but it makes it right. more realistic, which is great. This, yeah, so, but the idea of being so bad, do the killers think that when the camera cuts away, they have to stop stabbing? <laughs> that seems to be the situation because <laughs> it happens three times that the camera cuts away and they're like, well, that job's done. And the other person's like, I guess I'll see you later. Huh. Yeah. All right. Right. So I guess then uh, leaving the finale then, yeah. is were there any other uh, acting performances or anything else about it that you particularly enjoyed? I really like, I don't have her name. She's on, she's the uh, female twin. She's on Yellow Jackets, which I'm kind of, oh, uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown. I thought she was great. I'm a really big fan of, as I said before, um, the bad guy, Jack Quaid, because I love the boys. And I like Dylan Minnette. Uh, ever since thir- like he was in before Thirteen oh, Reasons the, Why, the guy played West. The guy played West. The guy that played West. I really like him as an actor. I think he's very understated and kind of sweet. And there were like six too many reasons for Thirteen Reasons Why. But other than that, um, and I thought that the chemistry between Courtney and David Arquette. I'm not exactly sure how much of it was music and filming, but I instantly re liked them together. And Nev Campbell's a champ. I like this movie. I mean, I like the the casting of this movie. I thought it was smart. Okay, good, good. So, um, let's, uh, given that the uh, bar and the expectations that you had um, earlier, it, that you discussed earlier, that you had with the movie, uh, did this movie meet uh, or exceed or not meet your expectations? Interesting question. The bar changed. It met a different bar. <laughs> is that okay. allowed to say? What is, I think I, you are allowed to say. What does that? What does that mean? I think I change? went in with this idea of we're really going to get into more of this under mystery of Westboro and why is this town so? And then how can they bring them all in together? And then at one point the movie was like, yeah, we're really interested in that too, but it's not really about that. It's sort of more about (laughs) this more meta stuff and more about we're going to actually talk about the fact that we're calling our movie Scream instead of Scream 5. Like they made so many jokes about itself Mm -hmm. that I thought was thrilling. It made a lot of references to very recent horror movies that have not worked and screaming at them. Here's why they didn't work. That was thrilling. Uh, like Black Christmas, and they name-checked a bunch. They completely name-checked Elevated Horror. Uh, yes. Uh, Babadook, It Follows, like a, a hit list of some of the horror that has been making things change. I, I, I wasn't ready for it to be so timely and so smart at times. And then what really, I don't want to make everyone think that I'm a real gross person, but the brutality of the kills upped it also. Not because I'm bloodthirsty, but because it revitalized it. Um, And so with that, it sort of, it checked boxes I didn't know that I had to be checked. And so overall, it met the bar. It's just, it was a different bar than I thought. Got it. Okay. That is far more interesting of an answer than mine. Uh, for me, it it 100% met the bar that I saw. Hooray! Right? It was, I wanted to ha- see, for me, Scream is, I want to see a good slasher flick that's going to be have some dark humor and it's funny that knows that 
knows what it is and stays there. Yeah. Right. And so I think that it really it does that. Right. Even though there are, you know, you know, there's all the extra commentary and other things about it, which I accept and I'm fine with. Right. Because it, it has it definitely has a right to talk about different things, you know, say, say what it wants to say and talk about the overall culture of things or, or whatever. I'm fine with all of that. Yeah. Um, but but it's it's stuck with its formula. It's stuck with the opening kill. It's stuck with the two killers. It had all the different tropes. It was a lot of fun. I I really enjoyed the experience in the theater. I really I I, I yeah, laughed. That was I, neat. I, I, I jumped one time. I was you know trying to make it through the whole movie without jumping, and then there was one that I jumped that was not even wasn't even scary. Um, but you know the, it, it even got me. Uh, was so, when they reminded uh, you that there was coke in the lobby. They're <laughs> 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 like what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Oh, I, it, it was such a stupid scene that I jumped. I'm trying to remember what it was. It was something where, like, you know, the the, the violins are playing and you think the killer's around the corner, yeah. and then the person they run into is just like their one of the friends. Like it was. It was oh, there the was a person that there was a lot of killer. those. It was, it was a lot of that. It was, it was a fake out. Yep. Right. And so, Cat's and hair. so, I like to yeah. pride myself on like if if I jump, I want to only jump for okay. The killer was behind here and I wasn't expecting it. Not I. I got. I got. I got victimized by a fake out right. so in this movie I did it was yep. you know, but anyway so but it was it was it was what I wanted it to be um and so I I really enjoyed it I honestly hope they make more of these um yeah. that they can tr- figure out a way to utilize the new character the same character see if, if they can pull off doing something where they make other ones I, I don't know if that'll work right and it's it's one of those things of where I want them to try but not if they're going to wreck it Right, so you're kind of putting. I'm putting them in the no-win situation that I'm sure most fans do, which is like, you know, go ahead and try this new thing, but it better not suck because if it does, I'll be very upset. But isn't it interesting? That's exactly what the killers. That's their standpoint in this yeah. movie. Yeah, right. I was I was about to preface that. No, oh, I'm so sorry. As Richie and Amber. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. Give, <laughs> the movie's not that important. Yeah, right? I'm not going to start a killing spree to be like, you guys need new material. But I would, I, would, yeah, I, I hope we'll they see. make more and that they don't suck. Yeah. So, My apologies for stepping right. on your idea. I got it. I got oh, excited. <laughs> if I do yeah, have fights. one concern going forward, I wish I found the new girl, Sam, a little more compelling. I was a little underwhelmed when you asked before about performances that I enjoyed. I didn't mm-hmm. really enjoy her performance. I thought her younger sister, Tara, Tara, yes. Tara, was riveting. Yes, uh, but I didn't really like the lead very much. She doesn't. She was missing something, some sort of spark, some sort of Sydney smirk, some sort of I don't know. I she didn't really do it for me. Oh, okay. How about you? Yeah, you were fine I, with I, her. No, I was fine with her. I I, I was fine with her. Um, I I never thought Sydney when it comes when it comes to that. I never thought the Sydney character was that great. Oh, okay. I, I, I've always thought that she was just like, well, it needs to. Someone needs to. Someone needs to be the final girl. So oh, why not? They just sort of picked her right. out of a a murder so, bucket. Okay. Exactly. It was yeah. like, well, it has to be someone. It can't be Drew Barrymore because that's what everybody thinks. So we'll just go. We'll go with the party of five girl. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> right? You know, yeah. So so I, I think that, that part works. I I'm I'm interested in, and here's the the problem. Where it's an interesting idea, but it could mess up the franchise. Is in the next one, Sam could be the killer. Right? That whole bloodlusting you saw at the end of it and, and everything maybe sure he likes it that they could start playing with that idea interesting that she is somehow either she is the killer or she's directing the killer or behind she's, the scenes yeah she's like dextering it or something you know interesting right, that she's not that she's not going to be the 
the victim that people are coming after, right, or anything like that, that, but that she would then be potentially part of the group of people that are causing the killings. Spoiler alert, everybody. Exactly. Yeah, so I I just spoiled Scream 6, people. (laughs) We're on Letterboxd. True Story FM's family of film podcasts are all part of the Next Reels HQ page. Letterboxd is a great way to track movies you see, write your own reviews, and be part of a larger community of film lovers like yourself. Sign up for your own account today. And if you upgrade to a pro or patron account, use the discount code NEXTREEL at checkout to save 20%. This works for renewals as well. So, uh, so Tommy, since we are on Letterboxd and they have a handy system of rating movies from a zero to five scale, uh, what number do you give this movie? I am going, I feel I am being a little bit over generous, but part of that is because it's been so long since I've seen a horror movie in a theater. Granted, there were like four other people in the theater, but the soundtrack was so loud and I was screaming at one point. It was just like, even though it wasn't a group, it felt like a group experience. And I really find this uh, franchise to be beloved and new writers, new directors, but really staying true to Wes Craven's kind of style and that big for Wes title card at the very end. I'm going to happily give it a four out of five. I believe that the next time I see it, that will probably come down a little bit because of the numerous problems that it has. But overall, I had a really great time with it and was so glad to go see it. And I'm so glad to be on this podcast with you for it. The end. You know, I agree with that entire assessment. Oh. Everything you said, I agree with. Even the, the, the end at the end? Because I don't know how to stop yes, talking you, like, a, yes, exactly. like a human Even man? Yes. <laughs> yes, I agree with everything you said. And I rated it almost the same. Oh. I do think that this is a four-star movie, but the killer is a little incompetent, yeah. and the second one is short. So I'm, I dock it off to three and yep. a half stars. <laughs> but I give it three and a half stars in a heart. If they had a tall killer that could kill people, yeah. uh, then, you know, I would have given it the four-star yep. as well. But yeah, it, it, was, it was a fun movie and a, and a heart. I think that I expect that I'll like it even more on rewatch. Oh, that's um, great. You know, the, that, yeah, I, I think that there's just, there are aspects of it with the jumps and everything and the jump scares. I think that I like a lot the second time around. I do notice that, at least for me personally, a lot of times when I watch these movies, I'll watch it one more time on my own just, you know, just to watch it and enjoy it. And then after that, I, I really like the experience of showing them to someone who hasn't seen them. Oh, that's or, right? interesting. Because so, Because then it's, there's an aspect of seeing these movies either that, you know, all the nervousness that you get at the first time, uh, you know, where you don't know where the jump scares are coming. You don't know exactly when it's, when, it, when, when is the killer coming out of the closet or when is he coming out of the, the basement or what's going to happen yeah. here, right? When you don't know it and that, that feeling of anticipation after you've seen it twice, you, you know where he is, uh-huh. right? So, so you don't have He's that in the basement closet. So there is an enjoyment to me. When I watching it with someone who hasn't seen it, it it's almost like rediscovering it again. Oh, right? I love that idea. Out of it. Sure. So yeah so, so, so yeah. so after the after I watch it one more time, I think anytime I watch it again after that, I'll I'll show it to my I'll, you know I'll show it to my son or I'll, or I'll find a random eight year old and say, hey kid, would you like to see a movie? 
and <laughs> hear scream. So what you're saying is you famously, A, love feeding off other people's fear, and B, want to go to prison soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, eight-year-old, come watch this horror movie with me. And yes, I will put on the the handcuffs myself, officer. All right, great. (laughs) Well, I think at best that's a misdemeanor. I mean, maybe. Yeah, what am I? It'll be fine. I mean, like, look, he's just traumatized for a little bit. I mean, he'll be fine. Yeah, why am I being such a prude about it? All right, I'll allow it, but watch yourself, Kelsey. In in France, they let their kids see horror movies much younger than they do in the States. Sure. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, no, just wine. Joke about that. People say about wine. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. got it. <laughs> yeah, it sounded fine to me. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thanks so much, Tommy, for uh, joining me tonight to talk about Scream. Um, why don't you, before we close, just uh, talk a little bit about what's coming up for you in the your true story FM life? Uh, yeah, I'm have. I think I'm in charge of next week's sat map. I think we'll never know. And then also, uh, Pete and I are dur- taking our summer hiatus uh, for. What's that smell? But if you want to catch up on the first five seasons, six seasons, I don't know. Um, it's, it's almost like I'm not on the show. Uh, you can go catch up with those for free or become a panic pal. All of that stuff can be found on what's that smell.net. And other than that, this has been a joy being on my first film board with big action ocean. Thank you so much for having me, buddy. Well, uh, thanks again for joining. Does anybody, does everyone know that my nickname for Ocean is Big Action? Maybe they don't. Huh? I, I don't. I don't think everybody knows, but I think they all know now. All right, there we go. All right, there you go. Want to remind you, if you enjoy what you are hearing, please come and join our online community with fellow movie lovers. Learn more at thenextreel.com forward slash discord. And again, if you're not already a member, please consider supporting this show. To learn more, visit thenextreel.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to do the stuff that you're supposed to do with your podcasts. Listen, rate, review, subscribe, and perhaps most importantly, share. Please let any other movie lovers in your life know about the show. The best way we have to get more people listening to this is you. Thanks. The Film Board is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for our show. You know what I got the other day, Pete? Stephen King's latest. Want to borrow it? Do you know who you're talking to? What do you mean? Andy, when's the last time I read a paper book? It's been decades. I would much rather use Kindle, or better yet, Audible. What am I thinking? I don't read paper books anymore either. I am an audiobook guy all the way. For those of you looking to listen to the books behind the films we talk about here on the Film Board and the rest of the Next Reels family of podcasts, get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at thenextreel.com slash audible.
there are so many great adaptations we've covered on the film board available in audio form. The Born Legacy, Cloud Atlas, all three Hobbit movies. The book is so much better. Oz the Great and Powerful or World War Z. There was The Monuments Men, the first two Divergent movies, and Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, I heard that book was awesome. What was it called again? All You Need Is Kill by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. Terrible title in either case, but a great read and a great movie. Absolutely. There's also The White Tiger and Stephen King's It. Plus Dune, which is one of my audiobook favorites. Oh, mine too. You know, producing this podcast is a lot of fun, but takes a lot of time. So now we're appealing to you, our dear listener. Please consider an Audible subscription to help support the Fillboard and the Next Reels family of podcasts. I've been using Audible along with my family for decades now. I love it, and I've read hundreds of books through it. Couldn't be more pleased with their service, and I know you'll love it too. Head to thenextreel.com slash audible and get your free trial. It really helps us out. And you have a world of over 200,000 audiobooks open to you. So much great material available. Dive in with a free trial and get your first free audiobook at thenextreel.com slash audible. Start listening to amazing audiobooks of your favorite movie source material with your first free audiobook today. That's thenextreel.com slash audible. 